Thanks for listening to the Faith Radio podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. I'm Carmen LaBurge. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for joining us on this day after Thanksgiving. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. Good morning. This is a special edition of Mornings with Carmen on Black Friday, Friday after Thanksgiving. The holidays have begun. Are you listening to Christmas music already? Mm-hmm. Thinking about putting up your tree? Our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. All praise to God. I mean, you could just pause right there and just revel for a moment. All praise to God. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Whoo! Do you live with great expectation today? Are you reveling in praise to the glory of God? Are you celebrating that by his great mercy you have been born again to a living hope because God raised Jesus from the dead. We live with great expectation. Are you living with great expectation today? I want to talk about that. I I like to encourage people to expect always the unexpected and anticipate miracles, knowing that with God, all things are possible. Maybe that could just be a walk-off that we have with each other from time to time. Hey, expect always the unexpected and anticipate miracles knowing that with God, all things are possible. What is your de-greeting, by the way? Do you have like a specific like de-greeting? You know, when you greet people, are you like a, you know, hey, hello, I've got a friend, Dave, who's like, aloha. And he's also his de-greeting, aloha. So uh, maybe you have a specific de-greeting. If so, I'd I'd like to know what that is. You can always text me, 877-933-2484. So, expectations. Let's talk about great expectations. What are you expecting? What are you expecting today, tomorrow, this Advent or Christmas season? What are you expecting in the remainder of 2023? What are you expecting in 2024? Maybe you're actually like expecting, expecting. Do you have a God-sized or God-honoring expectation of today, tomorrow, this weekend? Advent, Christmas, the new year? Do you have great expectations of God? I expect God to be God, and I will surely not be disappointed. That is a great expectation, right? I expect God to be good. That is a great expectation that will certainly be fulfilled. I expect God to deliver on his promises, and I guarantee you my expectations are going to be met. I have great expectations, and they will be met. Because my expectations rest in who God is, his character, his goodness, his grace. How about you? Are you living today with great expectations, with all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who by his great mercy has saved us? By his great mercy, we've been born again to a living hope because God raised Christ from the dead. Are you living with the kinds of expectations that come 
by being a child of God. When I think about um, great expectations and how different biblical writers lay them out, um, I could certainly point to Revelation chapters 4 and 5, and I commend that to you, to your reading today. Where in the Word are you today? Maybe spend some time in Revelation chapters 4 and 5 and and ask yourself, do I expect this? Do I expect to be part of that? Woohoo! Let me just tell you in advance. There's some great expectations laid out for us in um, in the book of Revelation. And in chapters 4 and 5, we get a vision of what it's going to be like to come before God and worship Him in all of His glory. Paul lays out uh, expectations that he has throughout his letters. And and so in thinking about, you know, what are some of the great expectations that I have in Christ, I thought I might just read from Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. In him and through faith in him, so we're talking about Jesus, in Christ and through faith in Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, don't be discouraged because of suffering. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So let me pause. Do you expect God to do that today? Do you expect God, out of his glorious riches, to strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being? This goes on... um, with a prayer that we would be rooted and established in love, that we would have power together with all God's people to grasp the width and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ, to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you expect that of God today? Do your great expectations include that God is going to do immeasurably more than we ordinarily ask or even imagine according to his power at work within us? Those are some of Paul's great expectations of Jesus. What are your great expectations today? Let us live today as people of enduring hope and great expectations. So in this special Thanksgiving weekend edition of Mornings with Carmen, um, we're going to revisit a conversation we had with Sam Hodges. It's a There's a particular heaviness that a lot of people experience during the holidays. Maybe you are experiencing grief and heaviness, unresolved, um, just unresolved grief, things that you continue to bear that really God would have you give to him. So maybe you know someone who is grieving this Thanksgiving. Let's reach out to them in love today. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, as you uh, consider the prospect of holiday cards and decorating and shopping and cooking and gathering and all of those holiday events, are you grieving in the midst of it this year? I um, I got a note from a friend who asked was asking for prayer, and she said, um, "I'm I'm I'm lamenting Thanksgiving in advance. My grandma always made the pies. My grandpa always carved the turkey, and they're both gone now. I'm not sure I even have the energy to decorate." And I certainly don't want to shop. My dad is sad. My mom is basically vacant. There's not enough of me to carry their grief to. I barely know what to do with my own. 
I feel so guilty that I'm not making the holidays all they're supposed to be for my own kids. Please pray for me. Sam Hodges is joining us now. Um, Grief Share is a wonderful resource, and I wanted to remind you of it again this year. Sam, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. Um, the holidays are particularly difficult for people who are not just experiencing new grief, but sort of unresolved grief over the years. Like the, the holidays tend to be this really strong reminder of who's not there. Can you just speak to the reality of, of grief among us? Yeah, um, I, you're exactly right. The holidays for many people are a time of happiness, celebration, excitement. Uh, people look forward to it. Uh, but if you've lost a loved one, um, as, you, as you mentioned, they can just be very, very painful because they remind us so much of what we've lost. Family is such a central theme around the holidays. So much of the holidays is spent with family and loved ones. And when they're not there, uh, it just creates a lot of challenges. And uh, like the note that you read, the prayer request from the lady, um, th- there are people who feel guilty. Um, they don't know what to do. They don't have energy. And um, they're just uh, really not looking forward to the holiday season. And so, um, you know, we as a ministry want to partner with churches to help them offer uh, what we call surviving the holidays events. And uh, these are one one afternoon or one evening events that you can offer to people in your community uh, to help them find Christ-centered support uh, to deal with the pain and the grief going through the holiday season. So um, how does, first of all, let's just go ahead and tell people how they connect with this. Griefshare.org. Griefshare.org. Um, why, why is gathering together and, um, and sharing and processing so important? Like, wh- why can't I just do that on my own? Like, you know, it's going to just be alone yeah, in my the, grief. Yeah, that's a great question. It's a lot of people um, feel like they're going crazy when they're grieving because um, we don't prepare people in our culture for grief. And so often people are surprised by how they feel and people are afraid to talk about it. And so when you get with other people who have or are going through the same uh, same thing, it's really helpful. It normalizes uh, your experience and you're with people who want to listen. Again, they know what you're going through. They can relate. And that can be very, very encouraging. And so what we found is that by bringing people together and not only just letting them talk, but by providing them with Christ-centered insights and tips on how to deal with the holidays, it can really be uh, a transformative, a very helpful um, experience for people who are dealing with grief during the holiday season. When you think about just like really, uh, Sam, just really, really practical um, ways of reaching out to somebody who I know is grieving. Like, how do I go about sharing grief share with somebody who I perceive to need it? Like, does that, does that even sound odd to say, like, there's a person who's kind of disappeared. They've, they've, they've gone into the shadows. Um, Can I invite them to grief share? And if so, like, uh, are there appropriate ways to do that? Yes. Um, you, you know, you just want to tell people about the event and um, what you can do. You can do a little bit of the work for the person. You can visit griefshare.org and uh, you can go to griefshare.org slash holidays 
um, specifically if you're looking for a Surviving the Holidays event. And you'll be able to put in your zip code or that person's zip code and find groups that are meeting uh, in the area. Um, you can also find groups that are meeting online. And so then when you talk to the person, you could just let them know about the experience, let them know that you think it might be helpful. And one thing you can even offer to do is even go to the group with them. Mm. Uh, that might give the person uh, the courage they need to step out. Uh, and so um, there are lots of things you can do, but it's just a simple invite. And you can send a person to griefshare.org forward slash holidays and they can find out more information about the event as well. And when they're at, and, and what basically what happens at an event, uh, people come together, uh, they watch a short uh, thirty-minute video uh, that features you know top Christian experts, pastors, authors, other Christian mental health professionals, and people who have been through grief during the holidays, believers who are explaining why um, they have hope and how they made it. And so people receive really practical tips on how to. Um, uh, how to plan for the holidays, uh, help, help, helpful tips to keep them from overcommitting, uh, again, helping them to understand uh, that what they're going through is normal, but also uh, really explores uh, the true meaning of Christmas and how ultimately that gives people hope during the holiday season. So I um, I just love some of the comments that are posted at Grief Share. And let me just encourage you um, you know, even if you haven't lost a loved one this year, if you've got some unprocessed grief from the past, like it, this is this is for you as well. Griefshare.org um, slash holidays. Uh, and and I just I want to celebrate like we could in, inadvertently put pressure on ourselves to do what other people think we should. So there's the expectations thing. Like I imagine that everybody has all of these expectations of me and of the day and of the meal and of whatever else. Um, I just love this comment. There's complete liberty to say, I can't do that this year. Um, that is so liberating. That right there is so liberating. And I, you know, I think that knowing what people's expectations are is really important. That's another one of the comments here um, on um, on the Grief Share website. Like, right, it's important to have a family huddle at the holidays so that I know what is important to each person, like what really matters, what are their expectations, and then it's okay. If you can't meet all those expectations, if you can't get all of that done, it is okay to say, I can't do that this year. So maybe we should all practice saying that to ourselves right now um, as we anticipate everything that is coming in the next several weeks. I can't do that this year. I know that's an expectation that you have. I know that is something that you really value. And I, I see that. I know that. I can't do that this year. It's an okay thing to say. Um, Sam, I think that's very empowering. Um, I also think that the, the doing the things that we can do, like, right, if there's a particular recipe, if somebody is like, uh, it wouldn't be Thanksgiving without, I don't know, grandma's jello salad that nobody ever ate anyway, but it still has to be on the table. So who's going to make that? And get the recipe out and share it with somebody and let somebody else do do that part. Let somebody else become the person who starts bringing the jello salad that grandma already that grandma always made. Or, you know, let let each person coming take responsibility for one particular side item. Um, and you say to yourself, well, you know, mom always made everything. Well, great. Mom's not here. So now let's divvy it up and everybody do one part of what mom used to do. And maybe it is each person bringing their their favorite thing that mom made. Um, 
just those kinds of things, right? I mean, that's what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, yeah it, it is. And one of the things we encourage people to do is to really uh, maintain your flexibility during the holiday seasons. And like you said, to communicate. We encourage people to write a grief letter and send that out to people by email, uh, by mail, just letting people know how you're doing and what they can expect of you, what's realistic. And, you know, as it relates to being flexible, we tell people that, you know, it's really important to let others know that you don't know how you're going to feel on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. And so you would just like the flexibility uh, to be able to bow out and not commit to being there the whole day. And that can provide a measure of um, control to the person and they don't feel overwhelmed as if they've got to stay there. Uh, if their emotions you know, overwhelm them during the day, they've got a way out. And we also encourage people, you know, if they are going to go somewhere with someone to have a friend to go with them uh, who can kind of be a shield and help them uh, so they can, you know, excuse, help them excuse themselves from uh, an event or a get together. So I call that the wingman. Take a wing, take, take yeah, a wingman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> having somebody with you can really be helpful at holiday parties and even family events. So um, let me just go ahead and say, if you're a grandparent, um, take a grandkid with you because they, first of all, they're so much fun. Um, they will add a generational component to virtually anything you've been invited to, and they totally give you an early out. Absolutely 100%. They give you an early out every time. And if you ask them to, I mean, you know, they'll they'll do things for you and with you that you you wouldn't ask anybody else to do, but it's totally fun to do with them. And so... Um, you know, if it's been a long time since you have sat on Santa's lap, but that's something that you really want to do, well, you take a grandkid with you and then you get to do it. So there you go. Um, all kinds of ways of of finding um, finding ways through the holidays. And that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about find, navigating our way through the holidays um, in years that are marked by grief. We're going to continue this conversation with Sam Hodges. Maybe you have got an idea what is something that you have done in the past or um, that you know has been helpful to someone else as they have navigated grief in the holidays? You can always text me, 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. Have you noticed that 2023 is coming to a close? It's about over. We're about to turn that calendar page over to 2024. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking for more in 2024. More faith radio, more opportunities to connect faith to life, more friends in Christ walking out their faith together in the world that God so loves. Would you consider learning more about supporting faith radio? Visit us at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, we're continuing our conversation with Sam Hodges, griefshare.org. For those of you who are asking about other kinds of losses, griefshare is um, for those who are grieving the loss of someone through death. Um, it, it is not designed for the other kinds of losses that we experience in life, the death of a relationship, the death um, the death of financial independence, the death of physical independence. All of those are griefs as well. So, Sam, can you touch on that? Can you um, give us a sense of sort of the the boundaries of the grief share group and experience? Yeah, I, I think you, you said it perfectly. It, it's for people who've lost a loved one uh, to death. And there's other forms of grief out there. 
but grief sharing is for those who've lost someone to the death of a loved one. And uh, one other thing I wanted to point out is that, you know, in addition to of inviting individuals to survive on the holidays events, you know, you can also as an individual or as a church host a surviving the holidays event. And it's a wonderful opportunity to introduce people to the care and the comfort that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And so we want pastors, we want people in local churches to see this as a powerful outreach opportunity. Every year we have over a million people searching for help and it really intensifies during the holiday season. And so um, we need more and more churches to partner with us to offer these groups. This year we'll have about 5,000 groups, but we need 10 times more because there's so much grief. And so if your church or you as an individual are interested in hosting a group and there's still time to do it this year, I'd encourage you to visit griefshare.org forward slash surviving, griefshare.org forward slash surviving. And there you can find out what you need to know about how to get started. It's very it's, it's very easy to do. And we have coaches who will help you get it going, materials to help you promote the event. And you can even offer these groups online. Uh, so there are multiple ways to reach people in your community who are hurting. And then there's an opportunity to draw them to your church uh, to continue to minister to them. And the other thing I would say about the holidays, you know, we're, we're focused on, um, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year's and the pain associated with those. But people who've lost loved ones uh, have multiple events throughout the year, particularly the first two years after the death of a loved one. They're very difficult. You think about Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, birthdays, anniversaries, graduations. These are times where family would normally come together. And again, it can be very, very painful. And that's why we also offer groups like Grief Share and Divorce Care, which are 13-week groups that churches can offer year-round uh, to help people who are dealing with grief. And so, you know, if your church doesn't have the opportunity to mobilize, you know, this year to be able to help people who are dealing with grief, know that uh, the pain is something that people experience again year round and they need your help. And so you can meet that need with grief share and divorce care. And uh, those, those ministries, again, point people to Christ, a wonderful outreach opportunity. And we want to partner with more and more churches who have that vision to reach people with the comfort of Christ. That's so good. All right, uh, Sam, uh, here are some, uh, some ideas that have been pitched out. Um, the first, uh, the first Thanksgiving after my uncle died, we went ahead and set a place for him. We put one of his flannel shirts across the back of the chair. Um, and at each place we put a picture of my uncle with the person who was going to be sitting there. So I guess in like in, in lieu of place cards, right, they put, they put the picture of their uncle with that person. And so I guess Mm -hmm. if you're Bobby and you walk up to the table and you're like, where am I sitting? Well, there's the picture. And then I guess they told stories. We went around and we told the stories of either that day or another special memory, and it helped um, It helped each of us. So I love that. Yeah. That's very sweet. Yeah, I love that, too. It's, you know, it's really important for, for people who are grieving to let people know what would help you, because a lot of times people are afraid because they don't want to upset you. They think that if they say something about it, uh, about the person's death or his or her absence, that you're going to get really emotional and you're going to cry and it's just going to, quote unquote, ruin the day. And the, the the tragic thing is oftentimes people who've lost someone, they do want to talk about the person, but nobody knows because no one says anything. And so I love that idea. Um, and, uh, and all that really takes is uh, someone just saying, hey, I would like to take some time uh, to honor 
Uncle Bob or, you know, Grandma Susan, and then having the family think through that and coming up with some really creative ways to do that. Um, anything that, uh, Sam, you're like, I just, I feel like this is the thing that I wanted to say today that has not yet been said. Yeah, really. It's just, it's just the opportunity, you know, churches are really good at caring for hurting people. That's, that's just in, in, in their DNA. When people are hurting, the church responds, you know, small groups are designed to be able to help people. Uh, but at church initiative, what we want people to understand, particularly pastors is that care ministry is an opportunity to really do outreach ministry at scales, in particular when you're using our materials, grief share and divorce care, because there's so many people that are hurting. And there are approximately 3 million people who die in the U.S. each year. And typically there are anywhere from five to nine people who are going to seriously grieve that loss. And so there are so many people out there who need help and they need the gospel and uh, gospel-centered truths that can help them. And so we just want to encourage pastors to just to really see um, the the powerful outreach opportunity that exists uh, when you reach people with care ministry uh, resources like Grief Share and Divorce Care. And if you're interested in learning more about that, you can find info at griefshare.org or divorcecare.org. Yeah, so good. Divorcecare.org and griefshare.org. We've been talking today specifically about um, Grief Share's opportunities to gather um, uh, in anticipation of the holidays. There's a whole holiday help center. So in addition to um, to the groups that are being offered and the opportunity to host an event, there there are videos, there are blog posts, there are resource lists. So there's a whole holiday help center for you at griefshare.org slash holidays. Um, Sam, as always, thank you so much. Genuinely appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. I appreciate it too. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is Mornings with Carmen, and today is the day for leftovers. So what is leftover today? Maybe you're going to make leftover turkey soup. That, that, by the way, if you've never just, you know, taken all the leftovers from Thanksgiving and turned it into a soup, pitch in the turkey, the gravy, the mashed potatoes, the vegetables, Stir it all up, add a little uh, turkey stock, and, um, you know, it, it's delicious. It's delicious. How about uh, what I really love on Thanksgiving, uh, the day after Thanksgiving? I like to take the waffle iron and put a scoop of yesterday's leftover dressing, um, press it down on the waffle iron, get it hot, top that with a scoop of hot mashed potatoes and gravy, some turkey, a little cranberry sauce. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. What else is left over today? Do you have any leftover conversations you need to follow up on? Unprocessed feelings? Maybe there are some amends to be made. What is left over from yesterday that needs to be dealt with today? I encourage you to make a go of that. A couple weeks back, we had a great conversation with Karen Ellis about the wisdom of God and how to get it. So on this holiday weekend edition of Mornings with Carmen, let's listen again to how meditating on the life of Christ brings us the very wisdom of God. Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Karen Ellis is joining us again this morning. She is, the, among other things, the author of Wisdom Calls, 100 Meditations on a Life in Christ. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Carmen. Thanks for having me back on. I'd love for you to start, Karen. Um, you sign off on your emails with the word shalom. And I am wondering if 
there's a connection between wisdom and shalom. Yeah, you know, that. thanks for making that connection. Um, you know, we were created for a particular type of world. Um, we were created for a world that was peaceful, um, abundant. The relationships were whole. Uh, we had enough. Uh, we had plenty. Um, and uh, our shalom was shattered, of course, when our own sin and our own willfulness and our own folly and destruction uh, entered into the world by doubting God's word um, through the tempter, through the serpent. And so, uh, you know, that's it always strikes me as, um, you know, realizing that the death and decay and destruction that we see around us is actually not normal. That's not what we were made for. We weren't made for this world, but God in his mercy, as it is, uh, we weren't made for this world as it is in its current condition, but God in his mercy has given us the the Holy Spirit and um, and his life to be able to live between what he's already claimed for us and what we will receive in glory, you know, between the already and the not yet, they would say, some traditions would say. And, uh, you know, he's actually moving us to something better than the shalom that we knew in the garden. He's moving us to perfection. So I, I guess when I sign off on my emails, I, um, I just want to remind myself of that, that, um, that this isn't normative, this world isn't permanent, um, it's it's not what we were created for, but he is with us and he is strengthening us to be able to bear up under the phenomenal disappointments and destruction and devastation that we see around us. Um, one of the things that you talk about in um, in this beautiful book, and again, the the book, which you, you can read all the things that that Karen is writing at Karen. Angela. Ellis.com. So it's K-A Ellis is who you're looking for. Karen Angela Ellis.com. Um, but this beautiful book, Wisdom Calls, 100 Meditations on a Life in Christ. Um, one of the things you talk about in here is that that wisdom is a person. And I think when I when I first saw that, I thought, oh, she's going to talk about, you know, this Old Testament character who shows up as a person. But then you help me see that Christ is our wisdom, the, the power of God, the wisdom of God, that wisdom is a person and it is Jesus. Mm. Amen. Yeah. You know, I think you've heard me joke before that uh, the world doesn't run on Duncan <laughs> as much as we need it to sometimes. Uh, the, 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 the world runs on God's wisdom. It is the wisdom that our creator, Christ, John, uh, John, book of John, first John tells us that uh, that he created all of this by wisdom. He laid the earth's foundation. And so it really is the physics that undergirds uh, that undergirds the whole universe. Mm. Uh, it, it moves and breathes and we integrate into it. Um, in the way that he intended for us to do, even in our fallen condition, even in creation's fallen condition, there's still an order that uh, wisdom brings, uh, that wisdom that, that, and applying wisdom in our lives, there's a sweetness to living the life of wisdom, even when it goes against the crookedness and brokenness of the world that was never supposed to be. Um, and so, yeah, I, I wanted to underscore the fact that when we talk about wisdom, we're talking about the whole, the, the whole fullness of who he is as our wisdom. And when we seek him, we seek 
to understand how his world works, how we best operate in it, how we can continue to make life in a world of destruction, um, to make uh, wholeness and relationships in a world that's committed to folly and, uh, and death and decay. Karen, um, folly, death, and decay, like, right, mm-hmm. we, chaos, war, um, rage, uh, these are maybe the hallmarks of the headlines of this particular day and the days in which we mm-hmm. live. Um, well, what does the wisdom of God have to say to to people living in a world where the wisdom of God is is not right now? the the sort of winning uh winning way of things Mm. you know i can tell you what it's been saying to me um Mm, scripture has been speaking to me loudly that you know i'm working with you know the orientation of the two houses that we find in proverbs um really in the run-up is in proverbs 7 when we talk about you know the 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 adulterous woman and that's that's you know yes that's a you know a literal warning against uh you know against adultery and and uh a push towards, you know, faithfulness to the one you've covenanted with. But there's also a larger picture at play here that, you know, Proverbs 7 starts to deal with our idols and the things that we prefer, those idols that were hatched in the garden and uh, that we still prefer. It's our kind of our default position, our orientation until we find life in Christ and we want the things that he wants for us. But the two houses that we find in chapters 8 and 9 that follows chapter 7 in Proverbs and there's a fundamental principle that God's wisdom leads to life and the folly uh, of the serpent from the garden. The house of folly is a house of death. And uh, I think that God wants to for us to be able to recognize the kind of fruit, the kind of places we're building, the kind of relationships we're building. Are they leading ultimately to destruction of body and soul? Or are they leading to the building up and the reorienting and to to the life for which we were created? And those two women's houses, the house of folly and the house of wisdom, they're such a helpful picture for the kinds of lives that we end up living when what we believe about God matches how we obey God. What God is, what he has, uh, what he has revealed of himself about how he is working, what his plans are for humanity, what his what his his plans are for his people, uh, how that matches how we obey God and how we treat each other, and and what are the results of the orientation of both houses? Um, one tells the truth in wisdom's call when the house then the five wisdom runs to the streets and she stands on the high places. She says, come in all who are simple. That's all of us, Carmen. We're all simple. We are because, because we live in this broken world and we need the redemption of Christ to understand. So she holds out an invitation and then folly also holds out an invitation, but it's almost the truth, which makes it a lie just like in the garden. And we see these same dynamics when we pick up the news, when we have our, you know, we have relationships around us. We see the houses and the orientations. People and us are either building towards one house and living in the principles of one house or living in the other. So I think that God is giving us a framework 
not just to understand how to live in the world that he's that, that we're currently in, but also how to understand where other people are and which house they're serving and which whether they're serving idols. Um, we weren't created for this world of death and abuse, and mutilation, and confusion, and lies, and darkness. I don't, I don't think that any of those things are actually natural to how he created us. And uh, when you look at Genesis 1 and 2, you look at Proverbs 8, and the house of wisdom, and then you look at Revelation and where we're going, and you see the world, the kind of place for which we were created. It really is one of peace, and wholeness, and the presence of God. And so I think God is giving us a way to see ourselves better in this world as we're navigating these very, very difficult uh, times and circumstances. Helping us see um, the house that wisdom builds um, and helping us see the house that uh, the house of folly is a huge part of this. Um, in, inviting us to make one of those our home um, is a part of this conversation as well. Just just. Just love the way you walk us into that. Again, the book is Wisdom Calls, 100 Meditations on a Life in Christ. Um, they're not they're not ordered this way, but I want to give uh, give listeners a sense of folly um, and some of the ways you unpack it. Folly's screech of violence. Um, folly mm. loves fear. Folly mm. is Satan's handmaiden. Um, mm. uh, there, there is foolishness that is dealt with. There's folly's betrayal. Um, there, there is a tour here, a little bit of a tour of um, mm -hmm. of the house that folly builds, or maybe better said, the house that folly just can't help herself but constantly tear down. Um, mm. the, uh, right, the the house that wisdom builds is a house that we can not only live in, but um, it's it's welcoming. Others want to uh, camp out there. It's life giving. It's creative. It's productive. It's safe. Um, mm. And so, I, uh, I I love all of that. I just the fifteenth no. um, the fifteenth meditation for those of you who have the book and maybe just want to turn there. Wisdom's house, which is the fifteenth meditation in the book, is um, maybe one of my maybe just one of my favorites. But wisdom has a library. Um, wisdom, uh, wisdom has, uh, uh, a, a watch night. Um, so there are all of these meditations that specifically, um, how wisdom speaks truth on and on and on. Again, it's not organized that way, but you can jump around. Um, if you need wisdom to breathe or you need it to help you preserve faith, like it's all in here. Um, mm. if you need the blessing of wisdom or the hope of wisdom, if you want to walk in wisdom, like it's just, it just, I love it. I just, I love the way you, um, you have woven it all together. We're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment with Karen Ellis. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. It might feel like it's too late, but it is not too late to make a difference this year. There is still time. Faith Radio is listener supported and you make it possible to reach more people in more places with the good news of Jesus. But time is running out. So before the end of the year, give your best gift to make an eternal impact by calling or texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or by clicking the donate button at MyFaithRadio.com. Thank you so much.
The world runs on wisdom. That is one of the um, meditations offered in Wisdom Calls, 100 Meditations on a Life in Christ. Karen Ellis is the author. You can connect with her directly at her website, KarenAngelaEllis.com. From Proverbs 3, the Lord founded the earth by wisdom and established the heavens by understanding. By his knowledge, the watery depths broke open and the clouds dripped with dew. Karen, when you talk about the physics of um, of the world and the way that it works, this is what you're talking about. Hmm, it is. And, you know, I, I, this, it was a challenging book for me to write, Carmen, because, you know, even, in, even when you're in Christ, you're still making, you know, these really hard life decisions. And sometimes you choose wrong. Sometimes your idols, you know, get the best of you and you make a bad choice. And so uh, nobody gets out of here without regrets, right? Everybody has regrets. But, you know, the, the constant call of wisdom to return to her house, to return to the knowledge and the understanding that only Christ can quicken in us by his Holy Spirit, you know, is what separates us, I think, from, uh, you know, the unrepentant, obviously, uh, from those who are willfully disobedient. And so the framework that we're working with between wisdom and wisdom's house and folly's house, it's not just for us to understand the culture and around us and understand, you know, what we're doing at any particular time, but it's, it's for us to continually reorient. You know, I, I, one of the meditations I have uh, that I've written about in the book is um, how you can cut a piece of fruit off the vine and it can look really good. Like it can start in Argentina. Let's say it's a kiwi or something, something not indigenous to our neighborhood. And it rides on the plane all the way over. And, it, you know, it, they keep it refrigerated. And then, you know, it's in our grocery stores for a minute before you actually get to it. And but ever since it's been separated from the vine, it's been dying. Mm-hmm. It just looks really good on the outside. And so we're like that. I know I am a lot like that. I can look really, really good and not realize that I am decaying like what we find in Folly's house. Um, The decay doesn't always look terrible at first. But, you know, it's that reconnection to the vine that wisdom calls. Wisdom is, is holding out that constant invitation. Come here and live. Stay attached to the vine. Reconnect to him if you found yourself sliding into uh, into the house of folly. Wisdom himself is always waiting and always open and always desiring that we reconnect to him, to the vine, to the house, and so that we can have life-generating days for ourselves and for others, so that we can make more fruit. And so I think that's one of the, going on that journey for me was really difficult because I have spent time in the house of folly. I've made death and destruction myself. Um, and, um, and I've, I've borne the consequences of it in my life, just like everybody has. But I've learned (laughs) through my own folly and through the consequences and the teacher that consequences can be, um, I've learned that it's it's much better to dwell in the house of wisdom and to do everything I can to make sure that my choices are oriented through his lens and not one of my own understanding. That's so good. Um, when you think about the relationship, I guess I'm thinking here, um, Proverbs 4, about, you know, getting wisdom and getting understanding, whatever else you get, get understanding, you know, <laughs> get, you know, right. Wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom. 
um, and and get understand what's the relationship between wisdom and understanding? Are they same, similar, related but different? Like what what's going on there? Yeah, well, we go back to where you started with the scripture in this segment. Uh, you know, by his knowledge, by his wisdom, he laid the foundation. By his knowledge, so it's it really points to Christ as the source for everything that we need to live in this life. Now, is the Bible going to tell you, you know, we, you know, the, the, the story is, is the Bible going to tell you specifics like names and dates and geography and go here and go there? Probably not, but it's going to tell you what the principles are. And that is, is his primary way of speaking to us and, and giving us those heart checks of knowing whether or not we are, um, we're applying his knowledge and his wisdom. They are connected. Um, they're different, um, but they're connected. His knowledge, to me, is the application of the wisdom and the principles that, uh, that he's, by which he's founded the earth. You know, they, um, the, 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 we teach that you're, you know, you're, how you obey God and how you, what you believe, what you know about God, what he's revealed about himself, they really should match, <laughs> but so often they don't. And we've seen, we've seen whole church communities and whole traditions throughout history, you know, leave a really toxic kingdom ball for the next generation because their ethics, what they believe, what they, how they obey God and their epistemology, you know, there's your 25 cent seminary word, their epistemology and their ethics did not match. And so the extent to which we go through this life in the time that we've been given, where what we know about God and how we obey him match, it's not going to be perfect. Only Jesus walked this earth perfectly because he is the way, the truth and the life. But the closer we get to them matching throughout the course of our lives, the, I think the better uh, and less toxic kingdom ball we leave for the next generation. And that's how God keeps the, this kingdom line going from Genesis to Revelation. He is going to keep his promise. He created a people for himself, and he's going to keep a people for himself. He's going to harmonize them around the throne. All the disharmony you see today, he is going to harmonize people from every tongue and every tribe and every nation and do it around his throne, around his person, return to his presence, return to not just the very good of the garden, but now to the perfection of a life lived in front of his face. I can't wait for that day. And I trust that he is keeping a kingdom line of folks who are walking closer to their ethics and their, their epistemology, how they obey God, what they know about God. Um, he's keeping that kingdom line throughout history. We're going to see them all. We're going to shout together. And all of this madness that we see around ourselves that we're trying to cut through just the fog of war and the fog of life and the fog of destruction, we're going to understand it better by and by, Carmen. And we'll understand, we'll see him balance the books of justice and mercy based on his character, not on our understanding. And we'll be satisfied with what he decides. I love that. Amen. Hmm. Amen. Karen, um, thank you so much for joining us today. What, um, what an utter delight. When you think about the wisdom of God and how you get it, have you spent some time today in the Word of God? Definitely want to encourage you to get into the Word of God today before you get out there into the world that God so loves. Maybe you're already out there in the thick of it. If so, of certain prayer for wisdom 
for you as well. And then circling back to where we started our conversation today, what are the great expectations that you have of God today? What are you expecting of God today, tomorrow, this weekend, this Christmas season, the remainder of the year? And then maybe uh, turn that mirror upon yourself. What is God expecting of you? What is God expecting of me? Great expectations. So you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is a special holiday weekend edition, and we've got another hour coming up next, and we're going to talk specifically about Black Friday. I'm Carmen LeBurge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at MyFaithRadio.com.